Well, good morning. Thanks for listening in here on Sunday, May 10th at Prairie View Christian Church. Happy Mother's Day uh, to those who are listening. Uh, Before we get started with the sermon, uh, a quick announcement that maybe you should be aware of, if by chance you've been listening to the sermons, but maybe not partaking in the videos that we've been producing. Uh, This past week, we announced on Friday that we are tentatively and prayerfully hoping to gather together again on Sunday, May 31st, in person. Uh, There will be many precautions in place on that Sunday. Uh, It is all very tentative. It's not set in stone at this point. Things could change, but that is the goal that we are shooting for. Uh, So we hope and we pray that the state's plan for reopening and our plans for reopening can come to fruition and that we can see your faces here on Sunday, May 31st. But for more information about that, look at the videos from this morning, uh, the announcements from Joshua, uh, or look at the announcement video from Friday. That is on Facebook and on YouTube. Now, this is the fourth week of our Songs of Praise sermon series, examining timeless lessons of the Christian faith from classic hymns. In week one, we discussed God's sheer greatness, inspired by the hymn, How great thou art. In week two, we examine God's grace, inspired, of course, none other than the hymn Amazing Grace. And then last week, Zach preached on Christ's atonement for our sins on the cross. The reason we can say it is well with our souls eternally, even when things look bad in this life. Now, these first three hymns are all very well known. I'd be willing to bet that many in our church grew up singing them, and that just about all of us had some basic familiarity with them coming into those sermons, even if we've just heard it at a funeral, or in a movie, or in a TV show, or on the radio. However, that might not be the case for today's hymn, or next week's hymn, for that matter, too. But just because these next two hymns aren't as well known as the others— doesn't mean they can't teach us something. In fact, today's hymn may be more impactful on the history of the church than any other hymn. Today's hymn is a mighty fortress is our God. So open your Bibles to Psalm 46. We encourage you to follow along as you listen. But before we do any reading, let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time that we have to hear from your word, uh, even as we are continuing to stay apart from each other for at least a few more weeks. Uh, Lord, we're starting to enter a different phase of sorts uh, in this entire trial of the coronavirus, uh, and we're still not out of the woods. Uh, we are still a long way from truly returning back to the normal that we knew two months ago. Uh, but we do have some light at the end of the tunnel. We do have some sense of hope, uh, some things to look forward to, tentatively speaking. Uh, So, Father, thank you for that gift. Uh, Thank you for how you have sustained us through this, how you have cared for us through this. Uh, We've made it eight weeks, uh, and we know that we can make it a few more until we're back together at Prairie View. And we know that we can make it even longer, if necessary, uh, before we return to life as we know it, if we ever do. Uh, Lord, whatever lies ahead, you know what it is, and we trust you uh, as we start to know what it is as well. 
and be with us this morning as we read from your word. Uh, I pray that Psalm 46, this hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, uh, that both of those would encourage us and inspire us and challenge us. Uh, Lord, we thank you for your word, uh, as powerful as these hymns are, including today's hymn. Uh, they are not your word, uh, but Lord, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful that you've revealed yourself to us, that we don't have to invent you. We don't have to guess about you. We don't have to imagine what you're like, but rather we know what you're like because you've revealed it to us in your word. And so thank you for your word. And Father, thank you for your son, uh, the one who calls us together, even when we're not in the same place, uh, the one who enables us to call each other brother and sister. Uh, Thank you for Christ's broken body and shed blood. Thank you for his perfect life. Thank you for his sacrificial death. Uh, And Lord, thank you that one day you will return in power and glory. We look forward to that day. Again, be with us in this time as we read your word. Uh, I pray that it be fruitful for us and that our study and our listening and our reading of your word would be honoring to you. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. A Mighty Fortress is Our God was written around 1528 by a man named Martin Luther. And if you know your history, you already recognize that name. Martin Luther was the Protestant reformer whose words and actions as a disgruntled Roman Catholic monk quite literally changed the world. Now, we'll talk more about that later, but for now, let's look to the Bible. And more specifically, let's read the scripture that inspired Martin Luther to write this famous hymn. That takes us to Psalm 46, starting in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams may glad the city of God the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, How he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. There are many different genres of psalms, like there are many different genres of music. The genre of Psalm 46 is often described as a psalm of confidence. Psalm 46 was sung by God's people as they gathered for worship. In your Bible, the heading might say something about the sons of Korah or the Korathites. These men served as priests primarily but they were also known as gifted temple singers. 
And they wrote this psalm. Specifically, Psalm 46, this psalm of confidence, may have been sung during times of danger or fear. When God's people felt threatened, they could sing this song as a reminder of God's love for them. They could sing this song as a reminder of God's protection over them. In that light, it's appropriate that some refer to Psalm 46 as a psalm of trust. It's an expression of faith and confidence in God during times of worry, uncertainty, and even crisis. Psalm 46 appears to be made up of three stanzas. Again, it's a song, so we can talk about it like it's a song. The first stanza is verses 1 through 3. The second is verses 4 through 7. The third and final stanza is verses 8 through 11. So let's look at each stanza. And as we look at the first one, let's especially focus on this concept of God as our refuge. So look again at verses 1 through 3. The word for refuge in Psalm 46 is associated with other words like strength, might, and power. It can also be translated as protection or shelter or fortress, which we see later in the psalm and features in the title of the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. It gets at the idea of security. But one of my favorite translations for this word is stronghold for defense. Stronghold for defense. Now, we might have a difficult time imagining God as a fortress, simply because we don't really see real fortresses around these days. But in the ancient world, fortresses were all over the map. They were often characterized by thick walls, massive gates, and tall towers, like you see in the movies. The best fortresses were built on hills. That way those inside could see potential threats from a long way away from every direction. In that day and age, fortresses were an important piece of the puzzle for the long-term survival of civilizations. And as the authors of Psalm 46 wrote, they likely had one specific fortress in mind. They were probably thinking of the city of Jerusalem, the city of God, Zion. That place was their God-given fortress. But the psalmist also knew that ultimately, the city of Jerusalem itself wasn't their real security. The God who gave it to them was their true refuge and strength. Even when everything outside is frightening and unstable, when the earth gives way, when the mountains fall, when the waters rage, as we read in verses 1 through 3, a good fortress can stand firm. And according to the psalmist, that's how God when everything else around you is unreliable, even when the very ground you stand on begins to shake, God is steadfast. God is solid. God is trustworthy. He is our refuge and strength, 
a very present help in trouble. Now move ahead to verses 4 through 7. This is stanza 2 of Psalm 46. As you read ahead, you get this beautiful picture of the peace inside the fortress while the dangers outside abound. Out there, the waters threaten and roar. But in here, a river flows and nourishes. Out there, the nations rage and the kingdoms totter. But in here, the fortress remains unmoved. Now, how does this fortress stand firm? Is it those thick walls? Is it a deep foundation? Is it those reinforced towers? Well, that's all part of it, but that's not all of it. In the case of Jerusalem, it's because God is there. Verse 5, God is in the midst of her. Verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. No matter what's happening around, as God is with his people, we have nothing to fear. The ancient world was more brutal and cutthroat than many of us can even begin to imagine. And that's why fortresses were so necessary. They really were one of the biggest ways to have any sense of peace and security. Because no matter what happened outside, the battles raging, the storms blowing, the waters roaring, you could be safe inside those walls. The gate wouldn't fall easily. Those towers weren't going anywhere. Think back to the sense of relief and rest that you could feel as a kid when you played tag and you just barely made it back to your home base right before the other kid's hand could graze your shirt. Take that sense of rest and relief and peace and multiply it by a thousand. And that's what fortresses could do in the ancient world when your life was on the line. But again, the psalmist realized that it's not really the walls, not really the gates, not really the towers that brought true peace. With enough firepower and enough resources and enough time, an enemy could eventually make those things fall. The true refuge of Psalm 46 isn't the physical structure. The true refuge is God himself. And then finally, verses 8 through 11, the third stanza. These last few verses call us to look in awe at God's accomplishments. It's the simple truth that he is the real giver of blessing, safety, and peace. He's greater than any exterior threat. Armies, weapons, nations, kingdoms, forces of nature, or even... And I'm just spitballing here, but perhaps a global pandemic, they are no match for him. Everything outside the fortress may look threatened. And at times, there really are legitimate threats out there. But God is greater than all of them. And because of this, those who trust him as their refuge and strength, their very present help in trouble can be still. We don't have to fear. We can rest securely and confidently, 
even when everything else is in flux and in chaos. God is our refuge and strength. Do you believe that? Do you believe it now? Did you believe it two months ago when everything was going perfectly normal? The authors of the Old Testament sure seem to have believed it. The word refuge is used to describe God some 94 times across the Old Testament and 44 times in the Psalms alone. David certainly believed it. In 2 Samuel 22, verse 2, David sings of how God saved him from the hand of the wicked king Saul. He refers to God as his rock and fortress and deliverer. In Psalm 18, verse 2, David again uses words like shield, horn of my salvation, and stronghold to describe God. And then finally, David says in Psalm 28, verses 8 and 9, The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. O save your people and bless your heritage. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. We don't just get this image of God as some imposing castle, tower, or fortress. We get this image of God as a gentle and compassionate shepherd as well. But it's not just David who speaks this way. The author of Psalm 91 describes God in similar terms. Verses 1 and 2. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God and whom I trust. And then verses three and four. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. That kind of hits it on the nose for us, doesn't it? He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. Imagine a bird protecting its youth from a predator. That's how God cares for the people who trust in him. And then finally, looking at it from a different angle, the prophet Isaiah condemns Israel for failing to trust in God as their mighty fortress. Isaiah 17, verse 10, For you have forgotten the God of your salvation and have not remembered the rock of of your refuge. And they suffered because of it. God's people are called to trust in him as our protector and our provider. And when we are tempted to trust in someone or something else, when we're tempted to look to something other than God for the refuge that only he can provide, we will ultimately be disappointed. Now, this wasn't just true of the Old Testament Israelites in the days of the Psalms, the age of physical fortresses. It's true for believers in Jesus right now. Like God's people before us, we too are called to trust in this same God as our refuge and our strength. We too are called to look to God as our source of security and rest in this dangerous world. And these uncertain times. 
We too are called to look to God as the generous provider of our needs in this life. But even more importantly, our need for eternal life. And by the way, this was all true long before any of us had ever heard the terms coronavirus or COVID-19. And all of this will still be true long after those words are forgotten. Everyone who believes in Christ can trust God as our refuge and our strength, our fortress and our rock, our stronghold and our defense. All who believe in Christ's broken body and shed blood can look to God as our friend, our savior, our father, our shepherd. When you think about it, Christ is the perfect embodiment of those words in the first verse of Psalm 46. There is no better example of God's very present help in trouble than Jesus putting on flesh, living a perfect life, dying on a cross, and rising from the dead. You don't get much more present than the Incarnation. And the troubles that Christ dealt with are far greater than the typical troubles of this life, or even the troubles that we read about in Psalm 46. Christ dealt with the troubles, the threats, the dangers of sin, Satan, and death. And it's by faith in him that we are saved. Martin Luther understood that better than most in his day and age. That's why he protested so forcefully against the corruption within the Roman Catholic Church that he had dedicated his life to. Its teachings and practices in Luther's day had clouded or even directly contradicted the glorious truth of the gospel. Eventually, Luther was excommunicated for his protests. And after he was kicked out, Luther learned a thing or two about trusting in God as his refuge and strength. Luther was considered a fugitive by the Holy Roman Emperor, had to flee for his life, and spent months in hiding under a fake name. And as Luther hunkered down in a literal fortress, he learned to trust God as his true fortress. That takes us to the lyrics of the hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe, that's referring to Satan, doth seek to work his woe. His craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate, on earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing? We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be? Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabbath is his name from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, We will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The prince of darkness grim, 
we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. Final verse. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Those words would go on to inspire countless believers who followed in Luther's footsteps. It would come to be known as the battle hymn of the Reformation. It went on to inspire composers like Bach, Handel, Telemann, Mendelssohn, and Wagner. Ironically, the hymn is now sometimes sung in, of all places, Roman Catholic churches. So the authors of Psalm 46 learn to trust in God as their refuge and strength. So did Martin Luther. That's why he wrote the hymn. But do you? Of course, it's one thing to sing about our confidence in God during times of danger or fear. It's another thing to actually trust him. Some of us have never really even had to trust in God all that much, maybe until now. Maybe we've never faced this level of financial concern. Maybe we've never been this worried about our physical health. Maybe we've never realized just how fragile we really are, how little control over the world we actually have, and just how unexpectedly widespread suffering and death can arrive. But I would encourage you to consider God's character, that he is trustworthy, solid, and unchanging. I'd urge you to examine God's track record in Scripture where he always keeps his word and never fails his people. And I would remind you to look to Christ, the ultimate showing of God's ever-present help. If you trust him as your refuge and your strength eternally, trust him as your refuge and strength now. You know, it's easy to trust God when times are good. When our jobs are secure, our plans are laid out, our wallets are full, and our bodies are healthy. It's even tempting to think that if we just trust or love or obey God enough right now, then nothing bad will ever happen to us. But we know that's not true. We know that in this life, at times, you need a stronghold to weather the storm. So I would challenge you to trust in God as that stronghold. Not just in good times when the sky is blue and the birds are singing and all is well. Trust him in hard times too. Trust him in those times when you really truly need a fortress. He is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. You can lean on him through the ups and the downs, the joys and the sorrows, the successes and the failures, the times of danger and the times of peace. 
You can look to him when the earth shakes, when the waters roar, when the nations rage, when the kingdoms totter and the enemies stand at the gate. You can be still knowing that he is with you, that he is with us. In Romans 8, Paul gives a laundry list of threats that could come Christian's way. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sore. As Martin Luther said in the hymn, the body they may kill. But Paul insists that we can trust God through those dangers and through those threats. Because they cannot separate us from the love of Christ, the right man who is on our side. We will face very real threats in this life. In Luther's words, our ancient foe, mortal ills, devils, and worldly powers. And in the short term, they might appear to win over God. They might appear to win over us. But in the eternal picture, we have nothing to fear. They cannot harm us. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, our refuge and strength, our very present help in trouble. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are our refuge, that you are our strength. Again, many of us find ourselves in situations where we're trusting you now more than we thought we needed to in the past. In good times, we think that we can get by on our own. We think that we can figure it out. We think that we can care for ourselves and provide for ourselves. We, we think we're self-sufficient. But it's times like this that we're reminded we are jarred into remembrance that we are not as in control as we think we are, that we are not as self-sufficient as we think we are, that we need a fortress, we need refuge, we need strength that we cannot muster up from within ourselves. And so, Lord, in that sense, maybe times of hardship, times of suffering, times of loss, times of pain can in a way be a form of your grace because they can teach us and remind us of our need for you, of our need for the security and the peace and the protection that only you can provide. And Lord, you have provided that most definitively through Christ. It's through Christ that we know you protect us from the consequences of sin. It's through Christ that we know that you protect us from the curse of death. It's through Christ that we know that you protect us from the hardships that would condemn us eternally. It's through Christ that we know that we will live with you eternally, no matter what sort of threats and foes and dangers we face in this life. And so, Lord, help us to trust in you as our mighty fortress. Help us to trust in you as our refuge and strength. Help us not kid ourselves into thinking that we don't need you. And, Lord, also remind us that we still need you, even when the storm passes, even when the enemies go away, even when things settle down, we still need you just as much as ever. And so, Lord, help us rely on you and trust in you 
be still in you and know that you are our refuge and strength at all times. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for Christ. We ask this all in his name.